When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Elects not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard, then threw him aside to the net. Back for one-timer score. Connor McDavid ends the game. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. I'm gonna give it everything I've got. with the King tonight as the Golden Knights have taken another step towards being the Kings of the National Hockey League. You heard Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final right here on 6.30. Chad, last night Game 2 coming up tomorrow at 6 o'clock. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, and we start with the King of the Crease tonight. Former NHL goaltender now with the NHL on Rogers. It's Kelly Rudy from Las Vegas. Hey, Kelly. Wow, I like the intro read. Holy, that's uh, pretty special. That's a lot of time and effort to put into that one. Yeah, I thought of it just before I turned my mic on. But uh, Kelly Rudy (laughs) in Vegas, uh, to me, that probably means that you know, a lot of buffets have been visited already, or maybe I'm you know (laughs) overestimating your ability to uh, eat while on the road. But I don't know. Well, you know what? You're, you are right. Uh, I was really looking forward to last night's dinner uh, with my production crew and everybody after the game. That's what I look forward to, Reed. Uh, I'm not a gambler. I think I may have told you that. So I found it fascinating. I went for a little walk today, and I watched everybody else losing their money, and I just couldn't. Uh, I just can't make sense of it. Like, I can buy a nice bottle of wine and, and enjoy it, but I can't. I just can't put my money on that table and watch it disappear in, in about five seconds. So we all have our stuff, I guess. Well, you could have bet $50 on the Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup before the season and possibly be looking at a several thousand dollar return now. But, but I mean, what? I mean, now that you're there, Kelly, because you've, you've been in studio for the first three rounds of the playoffs, and I know you were excited about going to the Stanley yeah. Cup final, regardless of, of where it would have been. I mean, obviously, there's going to yeah. be a good vibe in Washington, Winnipeg, and Tampa Bay. Would have been great, but now that you, you've been in Vegas for a couple of days and, and you've been out in the community and, and seen the hockey fans and experienced the arena firsthand, what can you tell us? 
Uh, it's a place that, uh, for all the Edmontonians, or I, I suppose Albertans that are listening to this, you've got to go. You have to experience uh, a hockey game in Vegas. I know many uh, Albertans, Edmontonians go to Vegas on a regular basis, but the, the hockey here is special. It's a really cool vibe. Uh, walking down uh, the main street, and then you take that right turn, and there's uh, there's a sort of uh, street festival kind of feeling. There's all these shops and restaurants and so on that you walk by to make it finally the T-Mobile Arena, and it's really cool. There's a really good vibe. Now, I you know I would suggest going to a game here. Maybe don't bring young kids because it is incredibly loud. I've been told yesterday, anyways, that. This is the loudest building ever recorded in the National Hockey League. So for us broadcasters, it makes it awfully difficult. We wear those earbud-type uh, earphones uh, only well, so that we can actually hear each other, even though we're sitting a foot from each other, but also so we can hear the production truck. And so you're trying to drown out the noise from the building, which is impossible, and then you're getting the over-sensory from the uh, earbud headphones. Uh, but it, it makes you feel alive. I was thinking about that uh, uh, read when we're talking about today's show it, it takes me back to those feelings when i was a player and your uh, your five senses and how alive they become even more so than when you're just on a regular day and you're maybe walking around or going to the mall or something you know your senses are important to you but to me the biggest ones that really i, I found went to a different level were my smell my hearing and my touch all those senses became even more alive during a sporting event so it was really cool to be in that building and have the same sort of thing happen to me. You probably heard your play-by-play announcer, Jim Houston, had a great line after the pregame ceremony yesterday. He says, and after all that, we still get a hockey game, which I thought was very very well done. Uh, I, I, and I've, I've made this point when people ask me about um, stoppages in hockey games or halftime shows at football. I'm one of those viewers, whether I'm a fan or a media member, whatever capacity I'm at a game. And I don't need it, but I understand for a lot of people it contributes to the experience. I, 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 I kind of was wondering when the Vegas one was going to peak because you had the on-ice ice stuff and the people doing the the siren and then the the uh, you yep. know Michael Buffer or Michael Buffer coming out with his let's get ready to rumble line and all that kind of stuff. There was a quick shot you guys had on the TV broadcast when Braden Holtby was introduced and obviously the visiting team they they know they're going to get booze or silence. Holtby was was leaning on his net like he he looked like a guy whose bus was three minutes late <laughs> and he just was trying to <laughs> trying to just <laughs> I, I I I don't know I I thought I I thought it was uh, pretty funny and then I knew you were coming on and I, I you were in a Stanley Cup final or you would have been through pregame ceremonies where yeah. I don't know if you ever as yeah. a player were wondering if it was going to end or, or what was going on. You know what? There, it's a fine balance. So you have to understand when you're a professional athlete that bills have to be paid. So there need to be commercials during the game. There need to be certain work stoppages uh, uh, for certain things. There are just things that you can't allow to become annoying. For instance, what you're talking about, that pregame ceremony, the player introduction, it seems a little bit long. It won't be as long in the upcoming games. Uh, the anthem, I know you don't ever want to disrespect an anthem, but one of the things that players always talk about, at least in my sport, is that great. It's wonderful. We have these unbelievable singers, and I'm sure the experience is great, and they put their whole soul into it. But listen, an anthem has to be a minute or less. That's it. I mean, 
I have to listen through many anthems that uh, dragged on and they had their own interpretation and I don't think anthems should be open to interpretation. So all these things, that, and so you've got to get over that, what sort of annoys you a little bit. And then most importantly, when you're talking about uh, Holtby, I'm thinking that he's trying to make it appear as though all this ruckus around him, all this noise, all this other stuff, this distraction isn't bothering him. But I can tell you firsthand, it's sensory overload on your brain. And you're in that moment, you're on the ice, the noise is deafening, and you're just trying to stay calm and, and remind yourself to breathe properly because it's impossible in that moment to stand on the ice and not get all wound up, and that's the last thing you need to do. Yeah, Kelly Rudy joining us tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, he's in Las Vegas. Golden Knights up one nothing in the series after that exciting 5-4 win over the Capitals last night, Game 2 on 6.30. Chad, tomorrow our coverage will start after the 6 o'clock news. Tom Wilson has been a focal point throughout these playoffs for a variety of reasons. I think for one, Kelly, he's maybe playing the most complete hockey of of his career, but obviously he has been suspended in the playoffs and he has that reputation of being a guy who crosses the line. His hit on Marsha show last night, there will be no supplementary discipline. You know, I I thought it was probably an interference penalty because uh, the the puck was was gone and, and you don't really get away with that anymore. I'm just wondering how you see... A, his game in, in general, and what do you thought of that hit specifically? Boy, this is uh, going to take us back a while. Uh, <laughs> first of all, when, when, when I first started watching uh, Wilson in the NHL four seasons ago, I believe it was, uh, I wasn't all that impressed. I recognized that he's an energy player. Uh, I didn't like the fact that uh, for a first-rounder, that that's what he was turning into. I thought that uh, there was more there to give, and I thought that he was becoming distracted um, and not focusing on on working on things to become a better player. And so I was happy. I think it was two years ago when I heard Barry Trott saying that they've asked him to focus now more on his skill uh, development and become the player that uh, you would expect from a first-rounder and, and a player that, although has an edge, and I like that edge a lot, I think that's been made clear to your listeners over the years, when I talk about the game, that I like players with an edge, and I like uh, hatred, and I like anger, and I like all those emotions that to bring out the best in people. But only if there's there's a, a, a an element of it that's important at the time, but not just wasted energy, and you're not trying to accomplish the things you still need to do. So I was happy to watch him grow uh, a little bit two years ago, but I thought his greatest jump in uh, productivity was this year, where. Uh, there's no question he deserves to be uh, put up with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin, uh, but he's still right on the line. Last night, I would agree with you, Reed, that it wasn't a penalty, or I mean, it wasn't a suspension, but certainly I thought it was an interference penalty. Um, but the problem with that, especially now you're back in the Stanley Cup Finals, all eyes from the officials are going to be on him again, and, and you hope that he doesn't do something that is right against the line or crosses the line that's going to hurt the Capitals. And I've talked to a lot of people in the hockey industry about Tom Wilson because he is that kind of guy that uh, you know you always want to talk about. And everybody agrees. We all agree with the same thing. He's a productive player. He's good. I'd probably like him on my team. But I, for me, I just can't understand how he can't control himself in certain circumstances that seem obvious. And, and maybe that'll disappear. I doubt it. 
but uh, I, I guess over the course of the next few years, we'll find out if if he can if he can just play just a little bit safer and not be in that category where we we were always wondering every four games, boy, is he going to get suspended? Well, it was interesting last night because, and now you know the aftermath of the game. More people are talking about Tom Wilson and Ryan Reeves than Alexander Ovechkin and James Neal. <laughs> what can you say about Reeves? I mean, let's face it, Kelly, a lot of people, and whether you know some commentators did it, a lot of fans did it, not, not everybody, but there were a lot of people mocking the Golden Knights for acquiring Ryan Reeves, and now he's scored two of their biggest goals of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't have been one of the people mocking him because uh, Reeves is a guy, and you have to go watch him live because... I've always said this about watching players. It's it's one thing to watch them on television, but it's another thing when you see them live and then you you get the full package. Uh, and one game, of course, you don't see everything, but you see enough, I think, uh, a good enough sample size to know, yeah, I, I can evaluate him. He's got a skill set that I like. Like He can play. There's no question he can skate. He's tough. He's big. He doesn't back down from people. So I wasn't uh, surprised by Vegas getting him. I, I wasn't one of those people bashing him uh, for picking him up. Uh, the thing is with Ryan Reeves, and maybe because he's older, maybe this is what will happen to Wilson, he was that guy that did take some penalties. And I, I think Elliot has the facts better than I do. But when Reeves was traded here, I think he went four or five consecutive games in the lineup, but in every single game he took a penalty or two. And uh, then they, they, he was a healthy scratch until these playoffs, I believe. I don't even think there was any late-season uh, lineup uh, insertions. I could be wrong. But now you see him, and I think in these playoffs, besides the strong play, I think he only has one minor penalty. And so that's the kind of player you need on the fourth line. He's very impactful. You see the, the goal he scored last night. I mean, that's a heck of a shot. That, not everybody in the league is going to be making that shot in the first game excuse me, the finals, and do it with such uh, calm and patience. Kelly, and as a, as a side note here, Ryan Reeves' brother Jordan was in Edmonton on Sunday as a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and obviously uh, the dad, Willard, was a great running back in the CFL. Hey, before I let you go, uh, the Oilers' uh, new coaching staff on Friday, long rumored and confirmed Trent Yanni, former NHL defenseman, uh, being hired along with Glenn Gullitson, who has uh, twice been a head coach in the NHL, obviously Calgary the last couple of years, and with Dallas a few years ago, and Manny Vivrios, who, uh, like you, Kelly, originally from Edmonton, he's and he's you know has a home yep. in, in St. Albert. I don't know if you know any of those guys uh, very well. We figured there'd be some changes to the staff. Just wanted to see uh, your thoughts on the Oilers' new assistants. I know Trent a little bit. I never played with him, but I played against him, and I've had some casual conversations with him over the years in his long coaching career. Uh, I can vouch for Glenn Gullickson. Uh, that is uh, a really uh, good hockey guy. He's a quality person. Uh, I, I don't mind sharing uh, personally. I, I really consider him a dear friend. That's how close we've become in the uh, couple of years that he was coaching in Calgary. I've got a lot of admiration and respect for him. He's, he's going to be a, a great addition to Todd's staff. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to the season for the Oilers. I, I just uh, When you have already a, a top person like Todd and then you add other quality people, forget about what they bring in the uh, workforce, but just quality people, uh, your workplace can only move forward.
All right. Well, we look forward to seeing how they work together. Kelly, uh, enjoy the the vibe in Vegas, and I think it'll be fun uh, when you go to Washington as well. And look, it's okay if you want to put five dollars on black at a roulette table. Five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can stomach it, Reed. I, I might try, might go out on a limb, might uh, go outside my comfort zone, but I doubt it, bud. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Thank you. You, you, you got it, pal. See ya. Kelly Rudy checking in from Las Vegas, analyst with the NHL on Rogers, former NHL goaltender, and uh, proudly grew up right here in Edmonton. It is 6.20. We're off and running inside sports on 6.30. Chad, speaking of off and running, when we get back, I'm going to tell you about a guest we have coming up later on in the show who's going to be running across the country. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30. Chad. When I think about the scope of what I'm going to do, 7,128 kilometers over 66 days straight, running on average 108 kilometers per day. That includes 56,000 meters of climbing, equivalent to the height of six Mount Everest. I'm looking to break a speed record across Canada that was set back in 1991 of 72 days, and I'm gonna run it in 66. By the time I'm finished, I'll have worn through 15 pairs of shoes. I'll have to take in 9,500 calories per day and take just under 15 million steps. That's the voice of Albertan Dave Proctor, a segment of a video on his website, outrunrare.com, outrunrare.com. And I got to thank somebody who texted the show last week with this as an idea for a segment. So I got, in a hold, I got a hold of Dave Proctor, and, and he kind of summed it up there. You're going to hear him live between 7 and 7.30 tonight, but he is indeed running across Canada starting in about a month. He wants to do it in 66 days. He'll have to average 108 kilometers per day of running. Now, he is an ultramarathoner. He is an experienced runner. He's in incredible shape. But he's doing this, and, and, he's, and again, the website is outrunrare.com. And this is to raise money for research into rare diseases. And his son, Sam, has one of the rarest diseases of them all. I'm going to get Dave to explain it when he's on the show. But I can tell you that Sam is one of five people on the planet to have the particular disease that affects him. So Dave Proctor coming up between 7 and 7.30. I'm really looking forward to that interview. An incredible story and what a feat. He's, he's going to attempt, and I'm confident he will complete it. Blue Jays trailing Boston 4-1. That is in the top of the fifth. Remember, you can always get in touch by texting 630-630. The phone number, 780-496-0063. Quite a spectacle in Vegas last night. We have game two on the air tomorrow. Eskimos game coming up on Friday. They looked good in the preseason opener. Granted, wasn't a great Saskatchewan squad. Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, will check in in the next half hour. Also more fisticuffs at Eskimos practice today. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Well, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched. We will have an Eskimos game on Friday night, 5 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff, 630 for the real kickoff 
Eskimos at Winnipeg, second and final preseason game. Then the Eskimos open the regular season in Winnipeg on Thursday, June 14th. Uh, a little bit more on the Eskimos in a couple of minutes, and then Blake Dermott coming up to uh, break down Sunday's win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and talk about uh, a short week here in the preseason, all those players on the roster, what the coaches are going through, trying to weed them out. Uh, the Eskimos, by the way, practiced today. Matt O'Donnell, you may remember, he got banged up, uh, hobbled off to the sidelines during that game against the Rough Riders. Didn't practice today. He did work out on the sidelines while the team was practicing. Doesn't appear to be serious. Defensive back Brandon Thompson, his first on-field appearance of training camp. So that's good news. I mentioned Dave Proctor coming up between 7 and 7.30. He's going to be running across Canada between 7.30 and 8 tonight. Gordon McCrory from the Canadian rugby team. They have that match coming up on June 9th at Commonwealth Stadium against Scotland, 7 o'clock. That'll be fun to take that in. The Edmonton Prospects baseball back home opener against Lethbridge, 7.05 Thursday at Remax Field. The NBA Finals. So, Kellen, here's how it works. Hmm. And maybe someone who's a member of the Grammar Police can help me out. We have the Stanley Cup Final, mm-hmm. and then we have the NBA Finals. Both a best-of-seven series involving two teams, but the, the NBA is a Finals, and the NHL has a Final. To me, final makes more sense. Is it, yeah. not, is it not one series? It's one series, Like yeah. the NBA Finals would indicate to me that there's there's a, like a bunch of different series going on. Absolutely. You'd have that at the Just beginning like of the playoffs. It's playoffs, like playoffs because finals. the playoffs involve a bunch of individual playoff series. Right. I don't I don't know if if if, if, if you know maybe there's an English professor listening. Maybe somebody who has their you know masters in English tuning in. I'm sure we have a lot of a lot of those on the inside sports audience. <laughs> they're they're just they're just you know after reading Philip Roth all day, who recently passed away. Uh, by the way, quick aside here: Philip Roth uh, wrote one of the best sports books. I, Philip Roth, like I, I know he's known for great literature and was a big American writer. All I know is he wrote a book called The Great American Novel which is an incredibly satirical, funny book about a fictional baseball league. I think it was published in the 70s. I read it. it is awesome. The Great American Novel. It's about baseball. Uh, so what was I talking about? Okay, so we got the NBA Finals, and we have the Stanley Cup Final. Now, as we know, the Stanley Cup Finals is going to take a while to play because we have a game tomorrow, then we have a game Saturday right. and Monday, and then every other break is a two-day two day break. Mm-hmm. So the, the Stanley Cup final has two one-day breaks and then the rest are two-day breaks the nba finals has one two-day one one-day break between games three and four everything else is two days between games so the nba finals starts thursday may 31st and finishes sunday june 17th which i i guess this is great for travel if the players plan on walking from city to city between games I, I guess, guess so. I guess that's the logic. <laughs> the, the players are, or maybe the players are hitchhiking from city to city, so they have to have more time off between the games. That's really the only explanation I can think of. Are they citing the old arena availability excuse with how they're scheduling these games, or is that just a quirk of the NBA Finals? I don't know. Well, they 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 tend to drag it out. They tend to do what TV wants, and, and oh, okay. I would assume, even though it's different markets they probably don't want to schedule the games on the same nights as each other 
But uh, Cleveland and Golden State. Where have I heard that before? Cleveland and Golden State in the NBA Finals. I think it was last year. And, and the year before and that. And the year before that. <laughs> and the year before Eight straight uh, appearances for LeBron James, who I do think in my mind has surpassed Michael Jordan as the greatest player of all time. The Eskimos, uh, basketball player of all time. The uh, Eskimos, as I mentioned, back on uh, the practice field today. And there were two separate fights, uh, one involving mostly linemen. Jamil Smith and Johnny Adams really went at it. And Aaron Grimes, defensive back, had to get in there and do a little peacekeeping. I think, you know, we're starting to get in those dog days account, you know, where uh, guys are starting to take competition a little bit more serious. You know, they're starting to see their, their position on the rosters or they're just getting fed up with each other. And as competitors, you know, sometimes we wear our emotions on our sleeves. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind it. You know, in camp, you'll, you can always expect a couple of fights as long as, you know, we hash it out on the field. And by the time we get into the locker room, into the meeting rooms, you know, we squash it and, and we're shaking hands and just trying to become a better team after that. That's the hardest thing to do is hug it out, right? Make sure it doesn't affect anybody. Um, at this point, I don't think so, you know, because we should all understand the game. You know, maybe if we we're in high school or, or something like that, but a lot of us have been around football for so long that we understand things are going to happen on the field and guys are going to compete and things are going to get out of hand. But at the end of the day, we are teammates and we're fighting for one goal and it's not to beat the other person up. I don't know if I'm correct in saying this or not, but would Aaron Grimes of last year or the year before, I guess, more specifically, jumped into that situation and been the peacemaker like he was today? Uh, not so much, no. Um, you know, because there would have been other guys who I would have thought would take that role. But, um, you know, now it is kind of my job to get in there. And I'm not in there to throw any punches or jump on anybody's side. Man, I'm trying to break it up, you know. If you guys are having a, an honest, fair fight, you know, I'll let you get out of your system for a couple of seconds. And then, you know, let's get back to work. Because, like I said, at the end of the day, we're not out here to fight. We're not boxers. We're a football team, and we want to win a great cup. And uh, we're not going to win it just fighting each other. You uh, imagine a chance to look at some film and study what happened on Sunday. What's, uh, what's your takeaway now 48 hours later? Um, I got some extra conditioning in today. <laughs> Definitely needed some of that. No, but honestly, uh, I liked it. I liked when our first team was out. I feel like we were flying around. We were trying to make plays. Um, we had a little bit of rust. You know, myself, I had a, a missed assignment on one of my plays and, and things like that. But uh, for the most part, we flew around. We, we celebrated, you know. We got a couple turnovers, you know, things like that that really get you excited. So I think we have uh, a lot of room to grow, but uh, we're off to a great start. It's, neat. it's nice to get that first one done with, right? And everyone kind of, the pecking order kind of gets settled. Everybody gets the, you know, they know what's going on a little bit more and it's, things go a little bit smoother from here on. Exactly. You know, uh, I think we had 11 penalties for 100 some yards. So things like that, we're going to try to eliminate next game and we're going to try to eliminate the mental errors, the missed tackles, you know, things like that, that kind of shock you when you first see it, you know, in that first game speed. But now we've seen it and um, I keep coming guys you know we want to end up winning the very last game of the season in our house and it started with the very first game of the season in our house so like I said we're off to a good start and we got a lot of room to grow and we know that and we accept that challenge. That is Aaron Grimes, defensive back for your Edmonton Eskimos. Want to remind you that some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. All right, so the green and gold ready for another preseason game on Friday. Analyst Blake Dermott coming up when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Here's a text to 636.30. Hi, Reed and Kellen. 
This is Professor Bretsky from the University of Extreme Hard Knocks. My take on the grammar differences is purely one-upsmanship. In other words, it's a clear case of whatever you can do, we can do better. Or not. Our discussion about the Stanley Cup final in the NHL and the NBA finals in, obviously, the NBA. Uh, Kevin... Thank you very much. Kevin has texted in. He was uh, the listener who uh, gave me the tip last week to look into Dave Proctor and his outrun rare fundraising run across the country. Kellen, you're going to have to open the the text line there so I remember to ask this question. He wants to know uh, what type of shoe Dave wears and how many pairs he will go through. Absolutely. No problem. Uh, Dave Proctor coming up between 7 and 7.30. He's running across the country starting on June the 27th. Motion starts. Riley drops. Takes a hit as he throws. It's complete to Duke Williams at the 12. He tries to head to the corner. Touchdown, Eskimos! Duke Williams to the end zone, and the Eskimos will take the lead. 33 yards. Riley to Williams. Morley Scott with the call Sunday afternoon right here on 6.30. Chet, he and Dave Campbell calling the Eskimos 35-12 preseason victory over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Also... Part of our broadcast crew, former Edmonton Eskimo, the legend himself, Blake Dermott. Blake, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Reed. Thanks for having me back. How was your football practice tonight? What, who are you with tonight? Uh, Skona. Uh, Skona High School. All right. And what is this What is this spring stuff? What are they doing? It's spring stuff, yes. There's a tournament that they, uh, they're they going to play in on Saturday down at Canmore and uh, putting the final preparations for that in tonight. Now, are these kids who are going to be on the team next year or hopefuls for next season? Who's involved? That's what it is. Yes, it's uh, all they. So they would be uh, in current years, uh, grade tens and grade elevens, uh, and we might have a couple of grade nines that are currently uh, then coming into high school next year. So they'll be tens, elevens, and twelves next season. Okay. So uh, all right. So these are guys who are going to make up the uh, the program. Now, is this? Is this full-on contact? Do they do they scale it down to protect the quarterbacks a little bit? How does it look? Well, it it, it, it kind of looks like a, a preseason practices. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a ton of contact because um, you have so many kids that at at this level that haven't played before. So you gotta you gotta minimize that. And you got trying to work on techniques and and then in in between all of that, try to put some plays in together so that we can uh, we can actually run something in the tournament. Okay, so this is uh, all part of already the preparation. I mean, this is, Blake, you're going to have to fill me in here. I mean, I, I actually, the high school, I, I went to a rural high school. There wasn't even a football team. And uh, you, you've seen my physique. I, Blake, I, I don't know if it lends itself towards football. But uh, is this, when did these spring, the, these spring workouts and tournaments become more prevalent in, in high school? I'm guessing they haven't been there all the time. Well, I, I want to say that uh, that they've been around for at least probably 25 years, at least that long. Okay. Um, I remember. Yeah, um, my son is uh, 32 years old now. When he was in high school at 14, he was in tournaments, and and uh, and I know they went on a lot longer uh, before he started. Uh, there's some some jamborees. Uh, a lot of you know when we talk about these things, they're not really really big. You know, there's three teams in Canmore that will play a controlled scrimmage. Is what, essentially what it is, and uh, and there's there's some of these things that will go on around the province. And maybe there's five or six teams that are at them. 
Um, Emmy Lazert used to run a uh, a, a, a tournament uh, in the fall that would probably have 50 teams at from all over the province and in Saskatchewan. So, so these can be these jamborees can be quite big or they can be quite uh, uh, cozy. But you're expecting the the kids who will show up, I guess, in late August or early September. To our, to have a base knowledge of the playbook or their responsibilities based on what they're doing in the spring, and that's yeah, that's exactly why you do this. And now some some schools go longer in their spring uh, their spring camps because I think you could, it's called the season of play. You can start at the beginning of May and uh, and you can go until uh, early part of uh, to mid June, I guess, till the end of uh, the end of school season. Uh, but but you know, there's other the kids are doing other things. And you want kids to do other things. You want kids to play rugby. You want kids to run track. You want kids to do other things at this time. So, so minimizing the practice time. You're not out there for two hours every day. You're you're work. As I said, you're working on skills and and you're working on things that to, to try to get a feel for where the the athletes will be able to play come the fall. But but that's the the that's the tough thing now, isn't isn't it, Blake? Because, I mean, you played a variety of sports even into university. But now, oftentimes, kids are being asked to specialize very young. I mean, we've talked on this show before about spring hockey and that for even preteens, hockey can be a 10-, 11-month uh, commitment. So, But a lot, of, a lot of coaches or adults will say, or even scouts will say, but, I, but it's nice to have kids with uh, a variety of athletic ex- experiences or a different team or experiencing different team environments outside of one sport so it's kind of that balance between wanting to specialize and getting a variety of experiences no i i, I don't believe in specializing even at this age uh, because uh because kids kids learn so many other uh, other skills and and uh athletic movements and you don't have chronic injuries if you're doing a whole bunch of different sports um i mean you're susceptible to different types of injuries depending on the sport that you're involved in but you don't get that chronic injury that never seems to heal if you're if you're constantly playing one sport. And uh, I, I want kids that are well rounded, and, and every coach should want that from kids. They want them to be able to to identify a bunch of things at this at this age. When I mean, we're talking about 14, 15, 16 year old kids that that they don't know what they want to do yet, and they shouldn't have to make that decision at this at this age. Blake Dermott joining us inside sports on six thirty. Chet. So the Eskimos uh, back on the field. Today, uh, I mean, they, they were obviously, uh, they didn't really get a day off uh, yesterday. Still players at Commonwealth for treatment and, and video and meetings uh, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, uh, a, a testy practice today. We know that happens sometimes in the preseason. Bl- Blake, Sunday's game, uh, I certainly think the Eskimos' first stringers uh, did what you would expect them to do. I think the the quality of Saskatchewan's uh, roster can perhaps be uh, be questioned. O- overall, um, you know, it's it's a preseason win. They kind of did what they have to do. How do you assess that game? Well, you're you're absolutely right. It, it really was uh, um, uh, an opportunity to showcase the starters, uh, and for a minimal amount of time. I mean, some of the starters played uh, into the uh, while well, some of the guys that had started the game played in the second half, but not many. Um, it, Mike Riley played a couple series. Uh, the uh, the offensive line was intact for a couple series with what they would go into, what their starting unit was. But then they started to rotate guys around, and and uh, and some receivers uh, played as as little as uh, maybe the first quarter. So so yeah, you you really are trying to evaluate. You, you hopefully at this point as coaches, and especially after six years, six games, or sorry, six days of practice, you you hope that you've got a good feel for what your veterans can do. 
and uh, you got to make decisions on, you know, a whole bunch of other guys. And I know Morley and and uh, and Dave uh, with with however many guys were dressed, like eighty guys, I think were dressed for the Eskimos, and that's an awful lot of bodies to get into the game. So so you got to make decisions on a lot of people, and you don't want to be uh, keeping your starters in that whole time. Who was it for you, maybe a new Eskimo or a player who was a reserve last year? Who who do you think grabbed the headlines out of that game on Sunday? Well, I think a couple guys. Uh, I thought Klein did well as quarterback. Uh, I thought he did well last year too. I thought he he uh, he, he did he did a, a, a it was a nice showing for him. Um, I think that there's uh, uh, Duke Williams looks uh, like a little bit uh, leaner and uh, and uh, going to be a force for the Eskimos in the receiving core. Um, and I thought Cooper at running back did really uh, did really well. I was I was happy to see that the offensive line with a couple of changes that they made, moving Kelly to the left tackle, I thought he did okay. And I thought Palmer did okay in that starting position. Um, but then they moved uh, some other guys around. Draham, I think, came in at the tackle spot. I thought he did okay as well, too. So from, a, from an offensive line standpoint, I thought they looked, they looked okay. Um, they kept the, the sheep clean with the quarterbacks. Uh, I thought Riley got, got hit a couple of times. And uh, even in the clip when he threw the pass to – to Williams for the touchdown, he got hit as he threw. But I think sometimes that's the way Mike Riley plays. Uh, Mike Riley has a tendency to step up into the pocket and hang on to the ball a little bit longer than some guys do, and uh, he'll lend himself to a little bit more contact. But, uh, you know, I thought special teams looked pretty good. Um, they, uh, again, were playing against a team that had 121 years of CFL experience not dressed for that game. So right. There was an awful lot of... Uh, <laughs> An awful lot of uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider veterans that didn't play. So, so this really was, uh, uh, you know, you want to look at them and, and be positive about it. And I thought they came out performed in six days that to, to perform at the level that the offense did and the defense did. I thought the coaches got to be relatively happy about that. But I'm sure there was a ton of mistakes when they broke, that, broke down the film. All right. So Sunday to Friday for for the the gap, not much of a gap between games. Yeah, I mean, in the regular season, you just roll with it, and, and you got to try to win both. Preseason, it, do you think players are like, fine, let's play another one and get the preseason games over with? Or what do you think, especially some of the veterans who might be more solidified in their spots, what's the experience this week? Well, you know, I, I don't think I ever felt that way in all the time that I played that I, I wanted to get this over with um, because because my job was on the line every year. And I know that even if you're a veteran player, you, you want to be able to come out of an exhibition game, first of all, uh, unscathed. And O'Donnell uh, got nicked up a little bit in that game. So, But if, if he looked like he was smiling and walking around on the sidelines uh, in the second half. So I, I think the Eskimos did come out of that thing with uh, relatively uh, few nicks. And, uh, but you need that time to get up to speed on, on uh, you know, I always needed preseason games to, to feel comfortable with my play. And uh, it, it doesn't matter if you're only in there for a short period of time. You, you you still need that work and you still need game speed and uh, and I think as a as a veteran player I, I never wanted to be in a situation where I didn't I wasn't playing in a game and uh, you know there's going to be a lot of veterans that I think they're going to treat this next game maybe not quite as drastically as they did as Saskatchewan did by leaving so many guys at home but there are going to be guys that they're comfortable with that aren't going to see the field and uh, and and. For me, I would have hated that. I would have loved to have been on the field, even if it was for a quarter or even a half. Blake, in the next half hour, I'm having Dave Proctor on the show. He's going to run across Canada, averaging 108 kilometers per day. 
What's the most you've ever run in one day? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I don't think I've run 108 kilometers in my life. <laughs> All right. Well, well, so you just turned 30, so I'll do the math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an awful lot of running, boy. That, that good on them, but holy smokes, that's... Uh, uh, I remember one time in a game we had uh, there was an interception or, or a fumble and Blake Marshall picked up the ball and went 70 yards for a touchdown. And after that play, he said, "I don't think I ran that far in the offseason." So <laughs> nice, Blake. Thanks for coming on. We'll do this uh, first show after every Eskimos game throughout the year, buddy. Thanks for checking in after your practice. Okay, thanks, Reed. Blake Durbin, our Eskimos analyst for our games here on 6.30. Chad, live on Inside Sports. Yeah, you'll hear from a lot uh, from Blake during the season. Great to talk about the Eskimos and the CFL. And yes, after the 7 o'clock news, he's going for it. Cross-country trip to raise money for research into rare diseases. Dave Proctor, when we get back. 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.